Well, good morning, church, once again. Um, on a Sunday, it, I guess this is about as fall as Orange County gets, isn't it? <laughs> it feels like a nice fall Sunday here in Santa Ana. Uh, my name's Matt Doan, uh, one of our pastors here, along with my colleague Brian Smith. We have the privilege to shepherd and pastor uh, our reach area, both global and local. And today is Reach Sunday, and so we have the privilege just to focus on how God is using us as a church here at 1010 North Tustin around the world. And I'm joined here on the platform by two dear friends. They don't need a ton of introduction, but I'll introduce them anyway. This is Tom and Gail Shook. Can you give a warm welcome to them? Uh, We're going to be having a conversation uh, here today about uh, an idea out of Acts chapter 17, which says uh, making making the known God, making known the unknown God from Acts chapter 17. So that's kind of the basis of our conversation here today. Uh, I am going to give a little, I guess, heads up to those of you that are watching online. We love all of you that tune in. We have people, if you don't know, we have people tuning in all over the world online through the, the wonders of live stream to watch every Sunday, which is great. But as we clap for you, we also have to tell you we're going to cut out in about 15 minutes and have a little pause on the live stream. Because of some of the nature of what we're talking about, we just want to protect some of the relationships um, that we're going to be sharing about this morning. So if you are watching online, uh, you'll have a little bit of a blip, but we'll come back for the second half of the morning as well. So just a heads up. If you're outside in the courtyard, you'll still be able to watch from there. Um, and so this is Tom and Gail Shook, as I mentioned. They've been Calvary missionaries for 31 years. 31 years. We're old. Not calling you old. They were commissioned, sent out by Calvary in 1992. And for you young kids out there, 1992 was the year the first text message was ever sent. And the contents of that text message was Merry Christmas. And so that dates us a little bit (laughs) right there. Uh, They were sent out from this place to a country called Mongolia. So Mongolia, if you're not familiar with uh, your world map recently, Mongolia is south of Russia, north of China. So nothing going on in that region currently, right? (laughs) Um, So Mongolia, this precious country of, in 1992, there was 2.2 million people in the country. If you know here in Orange County, we have 3.3 million people. So a nation that, population-wise, smaller than Orange County. But get this, in 1992, the estimates were there were four known Christians among 2.2 million people as they had experienced seven decades of communism. And so, uh, as we know from history, the, the doors and the borders began to open up. The shooks ran through with, with many others as well. And today, we're excited. I read, you can verify this, 40,000 believers in Mongolia yeah. here today. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And they send out missionaries themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now Mongolia has even changed from being a receiving country to what we call a sending, sending country. Yeah, actually here. Yeah, they've sent sending, missionaries, sending missionaries to America. America, yeah. Is, uh, wow, that's amazing yeah, right there. Pretty, pretty so, amazing stuff. so just a real quick snapshot, too. So they're in Mongolia, served faithfully there for decades. 
Then they come back and they end up moving to Idaho, which I think half of California has moved to in the last two years or so. They moved to Idaho to be one, close to one of their kids. And at that point, if I could even speak for them, it's kind of like, okay, we fulfilled our calling. Now it's time to rest. And then they get up to Idaho area and God begins to stir in their hearts Kind of this gentle and then maybe forceful prompting of like, you're not done yet. You're not done. And so by God's grace, they end up heading over to near the border of the most closed country in Asia, which I'm not going to mention because we're still on live stream right here, but I'll fill in the dots for you. It's the most closed country in Asia. It's... All right, there. you can look we'll it up. <laughs> so they're, they're having actually a couple opportunities to get in and get out, and they're planning their ministry to eventually, when the borders like Mongolia open up there, they're going to race in. And then the tensions with the U.S., I'm going to simplify this, but the tension between the U.S. and that country began to rise, and it became very clear, okay, this, we need to push pause on this calling. They come back to Orange County for just one year, just like we're just going to pause for a year. And then pick up the story right there. What happened in that one year? Well, actually, before we left our area, um, because of the tension, uh, the country that we were living in was sending most a lot of military to the border. So we were thinking that there might possibly be a war and that we might have to work with refugees. So that had been something that we were thinking about. And so when we came home... It's like the first thought of our mind, yeah, we need to learn about refugees, and then it just, you know, sovereignly, um, the college group had planned a trip um, to Lesbos, Greece, to work in a refugee camp, and so we asked, hey, can we come along with you? And they said, yes, it was our first short-term trip ever, (laughs) so um, that was awesome. We've we've received Uh, a lot of short-term teams, teams, but we had never been part of a short-term team. Our very first one, yeah. And so that... When we came back, it just really opened our eyes. I think you can be blinded to a lot. We were born and raised here in Orange County. And all of a sudden, coming back, um, one over there, a refugee was no longer a term. It was a person. Mm. And then you're able to look around and see all the people around you. And that just really started changing. And that just, you know, it was like, okay, okay, we got to do this. Like, there's so much need out there that we needed to adjust you know, we couldn't go back to where we wanted to go, right? And it's like, but there's no, I mean, it's like no choice, right? Yeah. That you guys got to be doing this. And yeah. so we basically shifted our focus from that and said, okay, let's, let's see what we can do with the refugee and the immigrant, mm-hmm. uh, immigrant community. And then, um, so yeah, take the trip to Greece. We came back uh, here. Uh, and then it was like, okay, we're going to go ahead and establish a ministry to work with the refugees. And um, just, I'm going to throw out some statistics. Uh, between 92 and 2013, about 40 million refugees, you know, up and down from all that time. And then around 2016, there began to be a spike in the number of displaced people around the world, about six, uh, 65 million by that time. Uh, 2020, we're up to 70 million. And then now, uh, as of today, we're approaching 120 million uh, refugees and uh, you know other displaced worldwide. peoples yeah. worldwide, right? So the so the numbers are absolutely crazy, and um, uh, you know, and then just get a picture of here where we are now, uh, locally, right? Orange County, you know, I mean, we've had what is it, seven million people now have come across this border in the last several years, yeah. right? And many of them are refugees and you know, obviously immigrants. 
And, um, and we just believe like the Lord has called us to, you know, we need to do something. Yeah. And uh, get busy about helping and doing what we One can. One of the stats that I think is really amazing, if you think of the population of California, oh, yeah. that's how many displaced children there are mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And that is the beginning and of their life is being displaced, being in a refugee camp or on the move, the population of California. And that is just striking. And I, I feel like when the Lord was leading us to the ministry, one of the things is that these numbers are so huge. What do you do with 290 million people, right? Like I can't impact any change in that. Um, so when we were praying and asking the Lord, what could we do? Um, we were thinking of uh, something that my husband has said all along. It's about the one. God cares about the one, right? He leaves the 99 and he goes for the one. And we can impact the one. And that needed to be our heart. And that's how we started His Refuge. Um, but 2020 is when we started His Refuge. And God decided to like pause the world. <laughs> And, um, but it was a really good thing for our ministry because that's when we started seeking refuge. And Matt, you were really instrumental in just saying, even in, in the midst of being closed, we don't have to be closed to prayer. And so seeking refuge is part of our ministry once a month, um, the last Monday of, of the month of generally. Month. Um, we pray for this 290 million. It's like a prayer, prayer event. And so we can't impact 290 million people, but God can. And it really allows, right now I feel like we can work with, we can be with the one, and we can be with the 290 million as we pray. And so um, it's been an exciting time. So we've been doing that. Lacey Ann Yates and Helen Bacco. Also on our team with the Seeking Yeah, it was great. Yeah. The first few Seeking Refugees, yeah. refugee, I mean, ref, uh-huh. refugee meetings, yeah, I, mean. I think there was four of us there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a slow beginning, and then slowly we've seen this team and this group build. And we just want to invite any of you to, it's the last month of every month. In fact, it's coming up uh, a week, the Monday after Thanksgiving weekend. We'd love to have you join us in the lobby here in the worship center. Opportunities to pray for these millions and millions, but then back to the one, too. Right. Um, and we've had some conversations, too, over the years of even your shifting and how you view the Great Commission. And I think it would be helpful for our church to kind of right. hear how you're viewing the Great Commission right now. So what's really interesting is, is that when, um, so when we went to the mission field back in 1992, right, we had, obviously, I, I, um, you know, Acts 17 and this passage on the a sermon from Mars Hill, and I'll read it here uh, in a moment, um, you know, talked about, uh, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the uh, people of Athens, and he's saying, we want to make known the, the known God, the unknown God to you known. And, um, uh, and so I'll read it here, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. So just beginning in uh, Acts 17, 24, uh, this is, you know, Paul's speaking to people in, the, in Athens. He says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples, and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth, and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. 
His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. And in this passage, we made an old video, and I know it's here somewhere in the archives or something, <laughs> but there's an, there's an old video of, of, you know, my view of God sending us out to the outermost parts of the earth, right? Like to the boundaries of where people are that need to hear the gospel. And, and how will they know, you know, the Romans, unless someone is sent, and how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good, good news. But, you know, the idea for me was like, okay, we got to go out there, right, to the, to the ends of the earth and bring the gospel to those people. And, um, and then now, you know, more recently, I feel like my thinking has shifted. So it's not so much, I, I feel like the Lord is bringing, he's changing the boundaries, right? So we know that he has, he's basically overturned the game table and the world is, you know, in, in a lot of trouble in so many ways. And God is bringing so many people right here. And he's moved them here. They, so he's bringing these people here so that they can grope for him or reach out to him, though he is not far from each one of them. And I actually believe, you guys, that God wants to use the church to reach out to these people because the, the boundaries, you know, he's, he's brought them here so that they can know about Jesus. And the only way they're going to know about Jesus is if they have some sort of contact with us because yeah. we're, we're followers of Jesus, right? So there's in, in that intersection, and I don't quite, you know, I don't understand how, all how it works or how he saves people. I know he does it, but, but, uh, and we're part of that. But, um, but it's that intersection where we get to be with the Lord and, and uh, experience him and, and all that, so... I think um, what's really been cool is we can look at the mass migration of people, um, and it can feel really chaotic. And um, we used to play Risk a lot as a family. And one of my kids, which I won't say their name, um, um, would get really upset and throw the game board, right? And all the pieces would go up. you got to tell us which one. No, I can't. (laughs) I still want them to love me. But I feel like that's what God has done with the boundaries. When we were growing up, it felt like things were really solid. Um, But I feel like the last several years, he's just upended this game board. What seems chaotic to us is not to God. Like there's a purpose and a plan in it. And I think we need to be excited about that. Um, I agree with um, Tom as far as the Old Testament, or not Old Testament, uh, the Great Commission. That I used to always feel like it was external, not just specifically in location, but not for me, but for the lost, right. is kind of how I saw it. We're to go and share Christ with others so they come to Christ. Um, and now, since we've been back and being involved in church regularly, um, instead of being out there serving, um, God has just upended that concept, and I truly believe um, that the Great Commission has been given probably primarily for the church, for the result of those who will come to Christ. And so I want to kind of look at some passages, and kind of you can see my crazy brain and how it works. Um, But I want to read in Acts um, 1, 
um, chapter 1, 4 through 11. And this is a part where Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Um, So he's been resurrected. He's with his disciples. And he says, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has authority to set the dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. And I I find that passage exciting because, one, we always say, I wish God would write what he wants me to do on a chalkboard or something, and i do it. And that's what Jesus does to the disciples right there. He says, you know, I want you to wait in Jerusalem, and then um, once you're empowered, I'm not asking you to do this alone. Once you are indwelt with the power of the Holy Spirit, I want you to be my witnesses. I just want you to tell people what I've done for you. Um, But they're freaked out. I can't imagine what it was like, you know. But they were worried about Rome. I find that amazing. And, you know, we can get that way, really focused here instead of on what God would have us do. The awesomeness, the most incredible thing, I think, is the church was born. You know, the church wasn't born prior to Pentecost. That day when they were indwelt in the power of the Holy Spirit, Um, where um, Peter gets out and he's preaching and speaking and, you know, everybody heard it in their own tongue. Wouldn't that be so amazing if right now everybody could hear in their own tongue? Um, But they were dependent on Christ alone because of the Holy Spirit. They were obedient to him. I'm, I'm excited that they were. They waited and then they were filled. And God added that day 3,000 new believers I mean, how would that be here at Calvary? We have enough seats, people. We'd have 3,000 people right now. Amen. We have to get a bigger boat. (laughs) We have to to get bigger. Get a bigger boat. Um, And what a diverse population at that point in time where people were hearing different languages. They were Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. Um, but the cool thing that really has changed my mind is what happened shortly thereafter that message, and that was the formation of a community, right? What God wants us to look like and what he wants to bless us with, and that's in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship. So that's all the believers, all 3,000 that were all from everywhere were together learning about God, sharing in meals, amen, we're having burritos burritos afterwards, Um, including the Lord's Supper, 
and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracle, miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together <clears throat> at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. And I was just thinking about the, the concept of the power of the Holy Spirit and what God did. They were not a church prior to Pentecost. Now they're the body of Christ. And in that, there was so much unity that each and every day, God reached down and saved those who are lost. And one of my favorite passages actually is in John 17. And um, it's where Jesus is actually praying for us, for the disciples and us. And I, I want to read it really quick. It says, I have given them the glory you gave me. This is Jesus talking to the Father. So they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And I felt like, oh, my gosh. The first time I read it in conjunction to what God was speaking to me in the book of Acts was this is an answer to Jesus' prayer, right? He said, make them unified, one, so that everybody around them looking in is going to be amazed at their unity, right? But he also says, I want them to know that you love them as much as we love each other. So there's an important element that God just wants us to experience the power of his love in community, right? But not just for each other, but for the result of others coming to Christ, and I want to say something, too, related to, like, yesterday we had the lunch, right, for the uh, Afghan refugees. And there's this, there's this idea of the, the extraordinary sacrifices of people coming together around something and doing something, right? Extraordinary generosity. You know, they prepared a meal, and they did this, and then extraordinary joy. So you, you see the church in action when we're reaching out and we're, we're addressing the needs of people and wanting to help them come to know Jesus, that, that God is there. Like, he's, a, he's working and moving in, in all of that. And, and yeah. to be a, a, we were witnesses of it yesterday, and uh, I'm just so thankful for everyone who was involved with that. It was wonderful. And I think we've really shifted our thinking that the Great Commission is not an obligation for us to do. That's that kind of means like, oh, I got to do this. Jesus loves me. He died for me. I need to do this. It is actually an invitation to us mm -hmm. to be That's something true. that is different, that is unique, that cannot be replicated apart from the apart Holy from Spirit, right. right? And it was so cool yesterday at Thanksgiving how many times we had people come up and say, these guys are so nice. <laughs> There's just so nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's because we're seeing Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. So I pray that just even as we're thinking about the world, that um, to think about what do I want in my relationship with the Lord? Do I want to accept this invitation 
to be a part of something incredibly unique mm -hmm. that can't be replicated. Mm -hmm. It's great. So we're going to cut the live stream now. We're going to tell a few stories. There's two main pots here. There's the REACH fund that we're talking about when reaching, sending out our global partners around the world, the REACH fund. And then even this Thanksgiving, we have a special Thanksgiving offering that is for refugees. We're partnering with the Shooks to um, gain more funding for that, for their ministry, working with Afghans right here and now in Orange County. And then with some of our other partners in the Middle East, working with other refugees in the Middle East, including uh, Muslim refugees on an island nation I can't talk about in the Middle East because of our partner's security, but with the S&D and some of our partners there uh, through their church, and then Moran in Israel working with displaced Israelis because of the conflict. It's an incredible opportunity like we've never had before to step up and be the church. And finally, go. I believe that like Max, some of you will be goers. Some of you will be goers. I am not a goer right now. I was a goer, but not now. And God is calling you to go. Some of you, he's calling to go across the street. He, just right down the street, these hundreds who have never heard. He's calling you to that. Go. Talk to Tom Gill. Check out the opportunities. Jump in. And some of you, he's saying, it's not across the street. It's actually around the world. It's going to those far places. It's going to the outer reaches of Mongolia or to the land of mountains or wherever it might be. God is calling some of you. And whether you're a college student or we even had friends who joined us in the land of mountains, 65 and had just retired, sold their house in Michigan and came because that's what God was doing. God might be calling you. So I want to invite you this morning we're going to take a time of prayer and worship in just a minute, and I want to invite you to respond in prayer, saying, just like Tom and Gail, God, we don't know what we're doing, but show up. I need your wisdom. Maybe it's some fear of like, hey, I want to take a step, but I don't even know how. Well, guess what? Welcome to the club. We're all in this together. We all don't have it all down, but through prayer, standing together, we can stand with you in prayer and take that next step of saying, yes, God. I want to align my life to your purposes here in Orange County and around the world. So let me pray for us as we begin, and then we'll move and transition our hearts in worship. But don't let this be a time that you skip out. This coming receiving prayer is just as worshipful as being in the Word, and just as worshipful as worshiping with our voices, because we're responding to our great God who has done everything for us. And so, Jesus, I pray this morning... For your Holy Spirit to be working in our hearts, God. For each one of us that needs prayer to take that little baby step forward to saying, God, I don't know what this looks like, but you are moving me forward. Whether it's in praying more, maybe it's in, in, a, in above and beyond giving. I've been there, God, and, and been so afraid, and yet you're saying, step forward. Or maybe it's in going. God, in all these areas, you want to work in us and through us with you with your presence with us. Thank you for the promise of your presence. And so I pray this morning that you would empower us as the church to be on mission, to see you worship and glorified in every aspect of our lives. You deserve the glory and the worship in every aspect. So God, have it all this morning. Have it all that you would be worshiped, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.